Every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. In Jesus' precious name. Still on strings. Hey man, what a moment. What a moment in His presence. Praise the Lord. It never leaves. Every morning you wake up. The Bible says His mercies are new. Every morning. The fact that you woke up this morning, no matter how miserable or how terrible you feel about yourself, is an indication that God is not done with you yet. If He was done with you, then you would have died last night. Every opportunity for a brand new day is an expression of his mercies. Is that Pastor Tokwe I'm seeing there? Pastor Tokwe, we have to celebrate Pastor Tokwe this evening. Pastor Tokwe, why are you sitting at the back? Someone please help me. Um, um, Lloyd, please help me usher him to the front, please. Please. Come and celebrate Pastor Tokwe for me. Good evening, sir. I should have let me know you were coming. Talk about, why, why did you do that, Bukola? Good evening, sir. That's Bukola's elder brother. He's the lead pastor of the baptizing church, Abuja. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to have you in the house. Amen. I shouldn't have budged on me. At least I should have prepared. Tell them you're coming. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says you shouldn't forget why God blessed you. Someone say, God will bless me. Say it again. Say, God has blessed me. He says, when you enter the promised land and you begin to eat of the seed and the fruits and the harvest and you drink of the wine, he says, do not forget God. Do not forget God. The reason why he blesses you is because he wants... Could I say you heard that, sister? Both of them, have you? The one from Lagos. Is that the one from Lagos? He's running you. How you doing, ma? Good evening. Please, sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry. How you doing? <laughs> good evening. It's good to have you around. Please have your seats. Let's celebrate them. All the way from Lagos. Thank you, ma. Don't forget why God blessed you. Don't forget why he gave you the blessing. Don't forget. Don't forget. Because he's going to bless you. Don't forget why he anointed you. Don't forget. I'm, 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 lead, I'm led to tell you today that you should not forget. Don't forget. That when he put that thing in your hands, open that open door, it's not so that you can get the best car, the best houses, live in the best places. That's not the reason for his blessing. It's for his kingdom. He says that you may know that he establishes his covenant. You will not forget the Lord that gave you power to get wealth that he may establish is coming on Second Kings chapter six. Today I'm going to be sharing something that looks a bit different from what your theology is. I may topple some tables tonight, but I don't mind. I'm too old to be afraid about your sentiments. I've grown past the need for validation. I've, I've grown past. 
I've gone past the need for likes, dislikes, comments. I've gone past. My, my, my most urgent desire is that your life will shift forward. So, I am not the sugar of the earth. I'm the salt of the earth. There's a between sugar and salt. Salt does not make sweet. Salt gives taste. Sugar makes sweet. And that's why we are not the sugar of the earth. Sometimes salt is painful. If you have a wound, most of the aldine spirits, mentalated things are made out of solutions of salt. Is to make you, sometimes it's, it's, it's painful, but that's the job. My job is to make your life better, not to make you happy. If I have to make you sad to make your life better, I will. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 24, who has NLT? Second Kings chapter 6, verse 24. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 24. Second Kings chapter 6, well, if you have NLT, please help me. Second Kings chapter 6, from verse 24, we'll go to chapter 7, verse 1. So who has it? Quickly. Is the young in the house tonight? Okay, you're reading from Second Kings chapter 6, 24, NLT. Okay, read out, read out very loud if you can. Yeah. Can you take your mask off so that we can hear your voice a bit better? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Can you rise? Can you stand on your feet? Because I want us all to listen to her. Mm -hmm. Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for eighty pieces of silver, and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called to him, Please help me, my lord, the king. He answered, If the lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor, nor wine from the press to give you. But then the king asked, What is the matter? She replied, This woman said to me, Come on, let's eat your son today. Then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, kill your son so we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. And as the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing bolap under his robe next to his skin. May God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elisha's head from his shoulders. Shoulders this very day, the king vowed. Elisha was sitting in his house with the elders of Israel when the king sent a messenger to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, Elijah said to the elders, A murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out. We will soon hear his master's steps following him. While Elijah was still saying this, Elisha was still saying this, the messenger arrived. And the king said, All this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Okay. Elisha replied, Elisha replied yeah. Listen to this message from the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is what the Lord says. Mm -hmm. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting. Thank you. Thank you. Let's celebrate that. Thank you very much. It's not easy. Celebrate that, please. Very loud, loud, very loud. Thank you. Now, I've taken my time to read all the passage, but I'm going to elaborate on it a bit. And like I said at the beginning, so get yourselves ready. I might hit some things that you don't, you're not very comfortable with. But check the scriptures. You find that they are true. 
there will always be a place for specific instructions and there will always be a place for your initiative. God will not tell you everything. God will not show you everything. There will be a place for you to walk by the burden it places on your heart. There will be a place for specific instruction. This is our year of breaking new grounds. There will be a place for God specifically instructing you to do this, to do that. And there will be places where you would have to use your initiative to get things done. The call of God and the assignment of God is not a strange or mysterious thing. It always starts with the burden. A burden. That's how you know. It's a burden. Now, it's not everything that you have a burden for. Please follow me. I'm deliberately being slow because I don't want you to miss out on anything. It's not everything that you have a burden for that God has called you for. But there's nothing that he has called you for that he will not give you a burden for. So if, you have a, if he has called you to the sick, he will give you a burden for the sick. If he has called you to the impoverished, he will give you a burden for the impoverished. If he has called you to the homeless, he will give you a burden for the homeless. But not every burden translates into a call of God. So there's a place for specific instruction on what to do. And there's a place for you to operate by the burden he has given to you. Now when he gives you a general instruction that my son, go and do this. I've said to you before. That don't let the lack of a specific instruction delay the obedience of a general instruction. The fact that you said I should go and speak to young boys in the school. He has told me, but he has not told me which school to start from. I've announced to you that start from any school you see. Don't let the lack of a specific instruction make you disobey or delay in obeying a general instruction. So whatever he has told you to do, sometimes it will not come specific. Sometimes he will just say general, like he told to Paul. He said, I'm sending you to Gentiles. And Paul was sent to Gentiles. Paul's heart pant after Gentiles. Paul did not wait for specific instruction on which Gentile to preach to. Every Gentile he saw, he assumed was his assignment. If there was any specific Gentile that God didn't want him to preach to, please follow me closely. Paul believed that God would stop him from preaching to that Gentile. That's why in Acts chapter 16, the Bible said he was supposed to go to Asia and the Holy Ghost stopped him. Acts chapter 16, he was supposed to go to Bethania to preach, but the Holy Ghost stopped him. Paul believed that if there's anything that God doesn't want him to do, God will stop him. There are believers that think that God sits down and takes glory from the pain of his children. And says, because you didn't ask me for permission before you went ahead to do that thing, I'm going to make you a scapegoat. By the time you suffer greatly, next time, you will know how not to take a step without asking me. Listen to me. A lot of people have stayed on the same spot in their life and made no motion or progress because of this thing I'm telling you about. They have refused to marry because of this thing. Because they believe that God must specifically tell them the color of the air of the person who they are supposed to marry. The Lord says, go! And I'm going. If there's any part of the go, he doesn't want me to go, he will stop me. 
If God came down from heaven to scatter the work of people that were not believers, because they were going to build a thing that's against his will, he, they, were not his, they, were not, they were not born again believers, yet he came down to stop the work. Why will I think that, hi, who is a born again, Holy Spirit filled, blood washed, fire baptized believer will be going on the wrong way? And he'll put his hands like this and say, you must go that wrong way because I want to teach you a lesson. It doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. He says, go. He told me, for instance, go preach the gospel to everyone, all creatures, everywhere. So we went and had a meeting in Lagos. We held it in TBC in Lagos. So when we came back to Abuja, someone said, bro, Philip, but did God told you, did God tell you to go to Lagos? Did God specifically tell you? Because your business could have expanded, but you are waiting for God to specifically tell you to expand it. Did God say you should go to Lagos? Did he say go to Lagos? I said, no. He said, and you went. I said, because he told me to go to all the world. And the last time I checked, Lagos is part of the world. I will go to where every human beings are. If there's any part of the world he doesn't want me to go, it will stop me from going there. There will always be a place for initiative. It will give you burden. Burden for something. Isaiah says that, he said the burden that Isaiah saw, the burden that Abacock saw, burden. A heart panting for something. Life's heaviest burden is having nothing to carry. Wake up, no pursuit. Wake up, nothing. You are not looking for anything. You are not going after anything. Life's heaviest burden is having nothing to carry. Nothing to go after. Nothing steers you up in the morning. So God never leaves us without a burden. He always leaves us with a burden. He left, never, he never leaves us burdenless. He said in the book of Matthew, he said, come unto me all ye that are heavy laden and are weary and I will give you what? Rest. He said, come, learn of me and you find rest for your souls. For my burden is light and my yoke is easy. So it is a burden for burden. Yoke for yoke. It takes away your burden but gives you its own burden. It takes away the burden of powerlessness against sin. And gives you the burden for restlessness for righteousness. It's a burden for burden. A yoke for yoke. He never leaves you without a board. So he leads you with his board. He puts his hands on you, sears you up to push you. So he may not give you specifically this year. This is specifically what I want you to do. But he may give you a board. He may give you a board. He may steer your heart to push you. I told you two Sundays ago, that the Holy Bible was written by men who were moved. Somebody say moved. They didn't hear. They just moved. See, the holy men were moved by the Holy Ghost. And they wrote a whole Bible. And they didn't hear. They were moved. And how many movings have been wasted? Because you are waiting for a hearing. And yet you have been moving. Paul wrote the Bible to turn of the epistles. There was no place he wrote in those places that God told me to write this. No, please. I've read through the Bible. It's not there. 
There was no place. I write this now because God specifically told me to write it. There was no place. There was no letter he wrote because God said he should write it. He was using his initiative. He was in prison. He was, he was supposed to reach his people. He couldn't reach them. And he thought of a way to write to them. And he wrote to them. He did not know that these writings would become Bible. He did not know. Only God knows what he will do with what you are doing today. So he wrote to Timothy. Timothy. He wrote to Philemon. Wrote to Titus. He wrote to his protégés. He didn't intend to write the Bible. And we moved. He may not come with a specific instruction. But he puts a burden in your heart. He may not give you a specific commandment. But he puts a burden in your heart. And ministry is a call to do something about the burden God has placed in your heart. It is to take responsibility for the things we can see that have gone wrong as ministry. There is no place in the whole of the Bible that God said to David to face Goliath. Good day. It's not there. I come because the Lord showed me a vision to face you, Goliath. There was no place. How many things would you have confronted but you allowed fear to stop you? You allowed religion to stop you. You know, I said to you on Sunday, I said, if the wise people of this world, the believers of this world, are half as confident as the foolish people, this world will be a different place. Believers are too cowardly with what they have. We are too shy with our content. And we are the ones who have the solution to the world. We are the ones. We have the gospel. And the gospel is only good news when it gets there on time. If the good news gets there late, it's no longer a good news. If I have a cure to cancer and I get there late and the cancer patient is dead, it's no longer good news. It even makes the case worse. Because they will have felt better if they knew, if they didn't know that there was a cure coming. We should be bored with it. But we are too, sh we are too shy. We are, too, we are waiting to be led. We are waiting to be led to preach. Led, waiting to be led to do. I say, if you are waiting to be led, put a bullet in your pocket and feel led. And preach it. I was in MRS police station. The lady was there selling um, uh, Marbu Takebe. You know these drugs for sexual prowess? We're on the queue, long queue. And she was there from, from car to car with such confidence, bragging about the prowess of her, of her drug. And I was there seated. I said, God forbid, no way I'm here. So I took my car off the queue, packed it, came down, packed the tracks in my car. I said, you cannot be bolder than me. I have a better gospel. I have a better drug. My drug does not only empower you sexually, empowers you physically, empowers you mentally, empowers you every Kali. All Kali. So I went into the cars and knocked the windows. Brother Jesus loves you. When they saw me coming, we tracked, they wound up. They wound up their glasses. Wound up. When they saw me coming, they wound up their glasses. So you know what I did? I went back to my car. I had about 50K in my car. So I took it. My wallet is so small, I couldn't take all the money. But I stuffed it in. So I held the money like this. And the money was showing. Bulky money like that. So I go to them. When I go to them, I put the money like this. They wind up, I put the, I give the trap. Jesus loves you. <laughs> Went to the next trap. I worry. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. We have the content. I didn't need, I didn't need Holy Ghost to tell me that. I didn't need Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost didn't tell me. Go there, pick your pocket, pick your wallet, put your money. Nothing. The Holy Ghost didn't say nothing. The Bible says the spirit in man, the breath the Almighty gives it understanding. So let's go back to our text. There was a situation in Israel. 
Syria had besieged the land. Please follow me closely. It was a famine. There was no food again in the land. Everyone was hungry and battered and tattered. Everyone. But they had Elisha in that land. But you know Elisha was supernaturally provided for. Elisha didn't need the food of the land. The food, <laughs> he gets food supernatural. His master, Elijah, had ravens giving him meat. So supernatural was provided for. So he didn't even need all the food in the land. So it was kind of, you know, isolated, insulated from the condition of the country. So he didn't give it down. And every time the king walked up to him, Elisha would say, this thing is from the Lord. This thing is from the Lord. There's nothing anyone can do. Please follow me. I know you have read that scripture over and over. I'm going to explain to you today. Every day, the king would say, Elisha, help us. He said, who can, what can I do? The Lord, this is from the Lord. It's the, Lord, it's the lost time. The, Lord, the, the, the lost time is the best time. We understand. We understand by theology, man waiting for God. But our mind cannot conceptualize the fact that God is waiting for man. Our theology can accept it. That the almighty God would wait for man. Why will he wait for man? He's God. Why will he wait for a man? Why would God wait for a man? If Jesus could feed 5,000 people plus with five loaves of fishes, if he had that power, why did he need five loaves of fishes? Sorry, five loaves of bread. Why did he need it? Why did he need that five loaves? Because if you can supernaturally feed 5,000, you don't need five loaves. It is because the initiative must come from the earth. Man! Why is God why, why is God on your case? Why is God burdening you all these days? Live holy, live righteous. Why is he on your case? Why is he coming to you every morning? My son, your life can be better than this. My daughter, you should be serving me more than this. Why is he doing that? Is it because he cannot do it without you? No, it's because he has decided to include you in his, um, in his mandate. It was his personal decision that I'm going to include Emmanuel. It's not because he's incapacitated. It's a personal policy that I'm going to include you, me, in what I'm doing on the earth. So every day the king goes to Elijah. Elisha, help us. He says, from the Lord. So everyone has accepted. This is from the Lord. It's as if we are trying to coerce a reluctant God to do something he didn't want to do. So all our prayers is about trying to twist the hand of God. Elisha said, there's nothing we can do. Lazily, we just say, it's the Lord. Anytime, end you know, anytime the Lord wants to do it. So let's just trust God for a better tomorrow. Hmm. Until one day. A woman told a friend, let's kill your son. Eat him today. We'll kill my own son. Eat him tomorrow. That's how terrible the famine had become. These are women who gave birth to the pain of delivery. Slaughtered their children. Boiled them. And eat them. That's how terrible the famine had become. And there was a prophet in the land. So when he killed her son, she killed her son that day and they were to kill the other son the next day. And that one hid her son. She couldn't take it. She ran to the king. Help me! The king said, well, what can I do? If God, does, he said, if, God, if God does not help us, even me, nobody is to help me. This thing is from the Lord. She said, what? My, 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 my friend, my friend did this. The king said, what? Tore his dress. And the Bible said they saw him with rags. This was the king of the land. He said, I can no longer take this nonsense anymore. Cause it's okay. Get your matches now. Go to the house of that Elisha and cut off his head. 
cannot wait for God any longer. Follow me. I cannot wait for this God any longer. Let's kill everybody. He had come to that point. There's a desperation. No more excuses. You see, your ability to accommodate rubbish is the reason for its longevity. Any visitor you take care of will not go in time. When we were in school, they brought a GT Bank to our school. GT Bank in those days was the foremost of you know, banks, customer care, other banks in those days before, Wema Bank, uh, Union Bank, they can even slap you if you are not careful. Hey, okay, please stay here. But, you know, but those people came with some form of hospitality that was impeccable. So students, imagine students, we are used to suffering. We entered the bank, there was AC, I said, what? AC? There was no AC in all of our classes. We entered. The AC blew on our head. We didn't want to leave. When we sat down there, because we were much. They came and they were, you know, they said, would you like, what do you like? You know, they were giving some good coffee. So they told us, you know, because of the time, we're sorry, we're sorry for, for wasting your time. I said, waste my time. I don't have where I'm going. What, what am I even doing with my life? I can be here with you people who are not in a hurry. Any visitor you take care of will not go in time. You take care of that nose ache, back ache, you take care of that chest pain, you, you take it, my friend, he will be there for long. So he said, no, no more. Oh yeah, take your machete out to the house of Elisha. I'm coming behind you now. And the man was going. And Elisha was having meetings with elders. He caught in the spirit that they were about to take off his head. Now listen to me. Elisha was spiritual enough to see what was going on in the spirit, but was not responsible enough to do anything about it. Some of you have gifts, you know, you sit and say, oh, I can see some spirit coming from the northeast wind. I know. You think it's by all those things that things happen? When people sit down and say, because they are prophets, they sit down and they prophesy, 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 and they do absolutely nothing. God does not reveal all those things so you can brag about it. So you, you can catch things in the spirit, but you don't have any capacity to do anything about it. So he sat down there and he said, ah, they are coming to cut off my head. Please, let me shut that door. Lock that door. Because Elisha knew. This was the same Elisha that blinded the whole army. Blinded the whole army. And they missed their road. He could have said, that boy coming, be blinded. But he, he, he knew that God will not honor it. I cannot stay in a land and not be responsible for that land. You cannot stay in the land and not be responsible for that land. So he said, please, shut the door. Shut the door. Shut the door. And as the guy came, bang the door. He said, shut it, shut it. The king says, I cannot wait for God any longer. He heard the voice of the king. He says, surely, by this time tomorrow, so, 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 be sold for so, 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 Where was that prophecy? Why did he have to wait for seven years and people start killing themselves before Elisha opened his mouth? Why must he wait for his own life to be on the line before he did something about it? Elisha! 
God was waiting. We understand man waiting for God. We don't understand God waiting for man. Could it be that God has been waiting for you? Could it be that he's waiting for you to move, waiting for you to speak, waiting for you to act? He's been waiting for you all the while, but you sat there, sat there. Where did that prophecy come from? Where did that prophecy come from? Where did that instruction come from? Man is the trigger. For every move of God on the earth, every move of God is a move of a man that has yielded to God. There is no such thing as a move of God that didn't have a hand of a man in it. God will do nothing on the earth until he has found a man. Until he has found a man. So I could have sat back waiting for God and God was waiting. Where did Elisha get the word from? He said, by this, he even gave a time. By this time tomorrow. By this time tomorrow. Reminded me of Joshua. God called Joshua. He said, Joshua, the people are going to cross River Jordan. Joshua came and announced, in three days, we'll cross Jordan. How did, this was a Jordan they had gone around for 40 years. 40 years. And Joshua came up on the scene and said, in three days, we're going to do this thing. When man commits the hand of God, when would you do something about your life? Would you keep waiting? The king says, I will not wait for God any longer. Does that mean we shouldn't wait for God? Don't miss my point. Don't miss my point. Not when you have a commandment. He has given you a command. What's your command this year? What's your command this year? Eh? What's your command this year? Do you know he didn't tell you which ground? Do you know he didn't count the ground? He said to Abraham, as far as your eyes see, he told Joshua, every place the sole of your feet treads. So everything that had to happen to make the word of God that came out of the mouth of Elisha come to pass, did not need Elisha. In the twinkle of an eye, four lepers were seated somewhere. In the twinkle of an eye, you see, you put in motion a move the moment you move there's something you have propelled something you have propelled something but if you stay back fold your hands and fold your hands and waiting you'll be there the Paul leper says why wait we here till we die what did God say to them nothing nothing he didn't say anything why do we sit here till we die? They got to a point they were dissatisfied with where they were. Without a word from God, four lepers changed their own, they changed their own lives. Without a promise from God. Why wait here till we die? Why wait here till I die? Why sit here like this till my life is over? Why? 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 Why do I sit back? my life is over. Why? What's the dodging in your heart? What's the steering of your heart? About the same time the angel came and steers the water. There's healing. What's the steering in your heart? What did God tell you? What's God telling you? Where are you sitting? Is your life, are you comfortable? I am going to make this life uncomfortable for you this year. I promise you. 
you will either move or leave this church. You move or removed. You, you will never, I'm, I mean it to the teeth. You are not going to sit down here. I will shake you. I will nod you. I will conk you. I will boot you. I will do everything. But your life must make progress. Everywhere. Why sit we here till we die? I designed for my office 2016. Wanted to do ministry. 2016, resigned. January 26, 2017, resignation took effect. And I'm waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Le kwe kwe kwe. Shina na 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 na. Ele gede gede gede. Speak to me, Lord. Nothing. Iki kibliki bliki. Ekuku bluku bluku. Mamba, mambo, mumbo, konto, shati. Nothing. Ikakaba, da da. Eki kiblianta. Speak to nothing. One day I said, why sit me here till I die? I got up. I said, I'm holding the conference. I'm holding the conference. What would the conference be about? I don't know. But the power of God will be very strong in that conference. Call two, three people. Join me. We started meeting. What are you praying for? A conference. I said, God said to me, it will be very powerful. Where did God sit in his Bible? Where two or three shall gather? I'm there. That's what he said to me. He said to me, clear words. I will be strong. The meeting will be powerful. I will lay hands. He said, he said sick will be healed. Where do you hear? He shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I read it there. He spoke to me clearly. We had had four meetings. First meeting, second meeting, third meeting. It was on the fourth meeting when I got on the Lord says, my son Philip, this and this are the things I intend to do in that your meeting. I said, Lord, did you ask us to do that meeting? I said, Lord, were you going to be in the meeting? God said, no. Who told you that? I've been watching you. You are not serious now. It's until you had your first meeting. I thought you were serious. I said, let me wait more. Second, he said, it is not that I'm sure that you are serious. Said, because everything I told you on campus, you've forgotten with this coconut head. I cannot be repeating myself. I've said it before. Tell up! Go preach the gospel. So I said, no, no. He said, until you make a move, you will not hear a voice behind you. So the meeting, 2017, Supernatural Life Conference, we held it in Osana House. We were carrying people away from the meeting. The power of God was strong. Someone said, bro, Philip, it happened exactly like you said it will. I said, no. It happened exactly because I said it will. It happened because I said it will. Why sit we here till we die? In every generation, God is waiting on men who will take responsibility. Take responsibility and initiative for his move on that generation. God does not get weak over any generation. It's not a wave of water that comes and goes and comes and goes. The wave of healing, the wave of the word, those things are not true. They are true in expression, but they are not true in God's intention. The real thing is that men stop pursuing after God. Because if men pursued him, he would be there for a thousand years. So long as there was a vessel, there was oil pouring, oil pouring. The oil ceased when the vessel finished. 
God doesn't finish. God doesn't stop. It's men that stop. So if you're going to break new grounds this year, your hearts must begin to be steered. Every veil of darkness over your heart, I yield it off in the name of Jesus. Open. Open up. Open up. Why sit we here? Elisha sat seven years. And there was a word on his mouth. A word that would have turned a land all around. But he waited his life was on the line. Why? 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 Is there a promise on your life? Is there a prophecy on your life? Is there a prophecy for this year? Is there a prophecy? God said to Joshua, Joshua, my servant, every place the sole of your feet treads, I will give to you. He didn't give Joshua a boundary. He didn't give him a limitation. Everywhere the sole of your feet treads, as long as you can. If there's any ways, any place I don't want you to go, I will stop you. I, the Lord, will stop you. Like it did to Paul. Don't go to Asia. Don't go to Bithynia. Paul, passionate for the kingdom. Passionate for the gospel. He went to bed and had a dream. And in that dream, they says, come to Macedonia. And help. How many of you know that scripture? Come to Macedonia and help us. He had a dream. He had a dream. Somebody say dream. Dream. He woke up and packed his bags. I was on his way to Macedonia. He didn't say, brethren, let's come together. Hmm. I had a dream, but I need confirmation. I just want us to hold hands and see what God will say. God has spoken. Someone said, Paul went like that and God did send him to Macedonia to preach the gospel. Is that not something bad? I said, are there not people in Macedonia that should hear the gospel? Whether or not God said so? Whether or not God promised, are there not people in Macedonia? Everybody should hear the gospel. Everybody should hear the gospel. I saw when I enter Uber, if I mistaken, if my car, well, those times my car was spoiled, if I enter Uber, you must hear the gospel. Because it's 1004. A soul must go for it. It's blood money. A soul must go for it. I cannot enter your hoopah and I will not preach to you. No? Are you born again? The last one. We inquired as a, The guy, after I preached for him from Dawaki till we got here, he, was, he entered the church with me. He packed this guy, came down. And I said, is this the church? Is this the church? You must know Jesus. I don't need to feel it. I came out June 12. I remember it was June 12 because I, I forgot completely that it was a public holiday. And I came out. And I went to, I was supposed to go to Mitama to an office. I had gotten there before they said, Ah, Oga, are you living in Accra? This, this is Nigeria. There's public holiday today. I said, Public holiday? Nobody said this. Nobody said what? I said, I didn't know it was public holiday. So I looked and I said, Ah, somebody must give their life to Christ. Because I cannot come all that way <laughs> and go back and no soul to show my father. <laughs> no. So I looked around. I saw one boy, you know, and there was a girl sitting on his lap. I said, That's my victim. <laughs> so I went to him. I didn't ask the Lord, Lord, who should I preach to? Lord, Lord, who should I? I look for them. I look for opportunities. I don't pray for it. I look for it. If you understand this, I'm saying you understand what I'm saying very clearly. I don't pray. My eyes are sharp. I'm looking for every opportunity like an eagle. Paul came to a land. He saw that the land was given to idols. 
Pastor his heart was teared. The next day, he started preaching in the temple, reasoning with the people. We can't continue like this. He didn't say, Lord, what is for me to do here? Lord, what are you saying? Lord, what is The land's already given to Herod. What does, what does God want to say when I'm the gospel? So we have believers cross their hands, cross their legs, and sit back, and their lives could have been better, but make absolutely no progress because they are waiting for God. If the mother eagle waited for the eagles to feel comfortable or feel matured enough to fly before she removed the twigs of the nest, all the eagles in the world today will be in a nest somewhere. Nobody will fly. Time is now. Time is now, friends. Time is now. The time is now to birth what God has put in your heart. The time is now. The time is now to be that responsible child of God over your streets, over your community, over your neighborhood. God said to me, son, don't ever ask me to do anything. I've given you power to do and ability to notice. If I gave you the ability to notice it and the power and capacity, don't ever, don't pray to God to do anything he has put in your capacity, authority to do. Don't ever. Ever. Don't. I also deliver a quick notice to a woman. And I went there as a lawyer. Because she wasn't paying her rent. Her husband wasn't paying her rent. She and her daughter were there. And I got there to drop the quick notice. When they suited up as a lawyer, but I got there and she was there on the floor, down with, with, my, with sickness, with her daughter, both of them. And I'm there as a lawyer. But I know that I'm first of all a blood-washed, fire-baptized, Holy Ghost-filled, tongue-speaking believer. Believer was called to bow. So I said, Madam, would you want me to lay hands on you and get you healed now? She said, please, lawyer, if you can. So I lay hands on her. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Lay hands on her daughter. Be healed. They got up and I gave her a quick notice. <laughs> Isn't that a more fantastic way to do it? I didn't ask the Lord, Lord, should I pray? Should I pray? Should I not pray? I have a command. I take responsibility. I'm breaking new grounds. I don't wait for perfect situations. I don't wait for perfect conditions. I do that which must be done. I go that which, where, where, where I must go. I don't do that. I don't wait for perfect conditions. That was what happened to Mary and Joseph. How many of you have been pressed before? I'll end with this. How many of you been pressed before? You know what I call pressed? Have you been pressed before? How many of you have pressed with empty hands? I mean serious press. You know there's some press that are not really pressed. They are just there. You can give you time. You can come back. You can procrastinate. Some don't give you room for procrastination. The work of the king needs urgency. You must deliver right now. How many of you have been pressed like that? How many of you have been pressed and you went to unpress in a place you don't have pressed, unpressed yourself in your recesses? How many of you have been pressed? You, you unpressed in the environment that if you are in your normal senses, you will never have gone there to do that kind of thing. Because person where they purge, you know they choose toilets. You see, if I see children on this toilet, you have not started. If it is really purge, everywhere is okay. Press. They call it press. That was what happened to Mary. They were looking for a befitting place for Jesus. They wanted to give back to Jesus in the place that was befitting, in an inn. The Bible says there was no place for Jesus. It was not because they couldn't afford. Listen, Mary and Joseph were not paupers. 
They could afford an inn, but the place was booked. And there was no place for Jesus to be born. And Mary fell into labor. And you see, the pressures of destiny cannot wait for perfect conditions. Jesus had to be born. He was born in a manger. From a manger, he grew up and touched the world. He was born out of pressure. Some of you might need to get under that kind of pressure this year. Pressure. You are too comfortable. You are too satisfied. You are too okay where you are. God may need to shake that nest a bit. You are too comfortable there. Your life will make progress. Real growth comes out of inconvenience. Real growth comes out of pain. I've learned that. I really, really grow. I really, really grow in discomfort. I don't really grow when all things are okay. Because experience, decisions are made out of difficult situations. Why sit we here till we die? So what did God tell me? Did God tell me? Did I, I've told you before. Did I, I tell you guys that God didn't tell me to start SLC? Have I told you before? Have I told you before? So God didn't tell me. I told you the truth. Too. <laughs> God did not say, my son, Philip. Now is the time. This voice you are hearing is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Arise thee down and get thee down to Gaza. And build for me a church. He didn't tell me that. I was moved. I saw a need and I was moved. And I responded. SLC is a response. This church is a response. It's my response to a moving. I didn't hear a voice. I felt a move. If I waited to hear a voice, I may never have started this church. How many other things is God speaking to you and is moving your heart and you're waiting and waiting? Does that mean you shouldn't wait for God? Absolutely not. There's a place for waiting. But I can tell you that most of you, your problem is not waiting for God. Your problem is that God has been waiting for you. Waiting for you to take a step in destiny. Waiting for you to take a move. Write that book. Start that conference. Begin that lesson. Go back to school. Write that application. Apply for that scholarship. God has been waiting for you to move. The Bible says, if you draw near to him, you draw near. Is your move first. He responds. So everything we see, all the supplies. I didn't see them when I started. I didn't wait for perfect conditions. God said to Elisha, he said, go thee down to the brook at Cherith. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Where would the ravens feed you? Eh? They will feed you there. If you wait here, you will starve. If you say, I must see the ravens before I move, you will starve. The ravens have been commanded to feed you there. Your consignment is in the place of your assignment. I learned that. <laughs> I'm a buster right now. I'm just busting. Enlightenment. Your consignment is in the place of your assignment. Where he has called you is where your provision is waiting for you. If you are waiting to have it first, you may never start. So this year will be a year of new things. But I said to you that God says, do not be afraid of the unfamiliar. Do not be afraid of the uncommon. Do not be afraid. I, the Lord, will be with you. I will be the strength behind your stone. How many of you know that that stone could have brought that Goliath? We know, all of us know now. It's Ojuru. 
There's no way that stone can bring down Goliath. There's no way in this heaven. Because if, the Bible says that when he threw the stone, he fell face what? If a stone hit him, it was supposed to fell like this. There was an angel that sent him from the back. All of us know. It was not normal. He could have fallen face what? They sent him. But that sanding was waiting for the stoning. Mm, that's another one. <laughs> Why sit we here till we die? And four lepers ran, and the Lord caused their feet to sound like many chariots. And the whole enemy ran away, and they plundered them because they moved. They moved. Rise on your feet. Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.